Welcome to All Things Protest Podcast. I'm Olivia Lynch, and with me today are my co-hosts, Rob Sneckenberg, as well as Julia Alcarez of the Kenrich Group. Julia is a cost expert that Rob and I have worked with on prior protests. And so we're happy to have her here today to talk about requests for equitable adjustment. So when filing a protest, one of the most important considerations is achieving an automatic stay of performance after an award has been made. It can often drive when the protest is filed and in what forum. But when you're the awardee in that situation, it can be very frustrating. And so today we're going to talk about the way to make the best of that situation. If you're an awardee, you get a stop work order, you know, now you're sitting on your hands, you're waiting to perform, you got all your resources prepped and ready to go, but you can't actually start. Well, Julie's going to help walk us through uh, preparing an REA to maybe get a little back, maybe not quite turn legal into a profit center, but at least make the best of the situation and, you know, value add as much as possible from the legal perspective. So, Julia, can you just give us the overview on, in general, preparing REAs for a CICA stay? Sure. So, one nice thing about a stop work order resulting from a bid protest is that it is pretty clearly not the fault of the awardee. So, the government has given you specific direction to stop work, and your contract would typically include a stop work order clause. And FAR 52-242-15, which covers stop work orders, actually provides for equitable adjustments. So the typical costs that you would include in an REA are going to be any costs that you're incurring during the stop work order period. So that's going to be usually direct labor and indirect costs. So the reason for having a request for equitable adjustment during a stop work order is that the awardee generally has to stand ready to perform as soon as the stop work order is lifted. And that could be really at any moment, because as you know, bid protests can be withdrawn or dismissed. Not all of them go the entire period. So if you're the awardee and you receive a stop work order, if you were to fire all of your employees and then try to rehire them as soon as the stop work order is lifted, that's probably going to negatively impact your ability to perform. I mean, is that even possible when you're dealing with, I mean, maybe not even go so far as classified employees, but even just employees with certifications or qualifications that are, are necessary for the performance? I mean, protests nowadays can drag on a good while at times. Is it possible to rehire all of your employees every single time? I would say it's pretty unlikely, particularly when you've got a big award. You know, if you're talking about a handful of employees and it's a short time period, maybe they'll stick around, maybe they'll be happy to come back, but once burned, twice shy. So what's the process for submitting an REA? Sure. So you typically will have two pieces. You'll have a narrative in your REA, and that's going to say, this is what happened. You know, here are all the costs that we incurred. And then you're also going to have a quantum piece. So that's going to be typically some schedules, some exhibits that build up your costs. So you might say, hey, we are owed $100,000. That's how much we incurred during our stop work order. Here's how we got there. This is why we think we're entitled to it. And you'll submit that. And how long does it typically take for an agency to decide to pay an REA? That's a hard question. <laughs> that, can, that can really <laughs> range. We've had some clients where the agency has come back in a few months, and mm -hmm. I would say that's really quick. And we've had some where the agency has dragged on and on and on. We've had some where the agency has just ignored it. And then you get to a certain time period, and some clients will decide to convert those REAs into certified claims. So we started with REAs, now we're getting to claims. You're talking about this process dragging on. How do you, I mean, you're the awardee. How do you preserve your relationship with the agency? Because 
you're the awardee, you want, at the end of the day, you want the protest to be denied, you want to perform. How do you maintain a positive relationship with the agency? Sure. So I would say the, the best thing to do is, even though you might want to, try not to approach it with a very antagonistic point of view. The stop work order and REA resulting from that, it's going to be a minimal amount of money in the grand scheme of things, particularly if you've got you know a multi-year contract. So we would typically, when we're parting REAs together, just say, hey, you know, this is some money that you've incurred. You're entitled to it. You know, the government directed you to stop work. Just be very straightforward about your costs. It might require a little bit of strategic thinking about the types of arguments that you're going to put forth in your REA. But because they're typically small dollar amounts, the entitlement is very clear and it's, it's pretty well supported by the FAR and, and by other case law. We don't typically see REAs becoming very antagonistic. And do you have any practice tips for contractors who are put on a stop work order? Absolutely. Change order accounting is your best friend. So sometimes, you know, if it's just a day or two, you might not think it's worth it to put in an entirely new accounting code for being idled by the stop work. But you usually don't know how long it's going to be. So the best thing you can do is work with your accounting team to develop a specific charge code for employees who've been idled by stop work. And what you'll want to do is identify all the people on that contract and then give them specific direction. So what you might tell them is, hey, you're going to have some downtime. So in the meantime, please catch up on any training that you might have to do. This is a great time to take vacation or PTO. See if you can redeploy them onto other contracts. One of the best things you can do in an REA is to show the government how you've tried to mitigate the cost to them as best as you can. So try to get your employees doing other temporary things. And then once they're out of things to do, you can tell them, hey, go ahead and charge to this idle time charge code. And that'll make aggregating all the costs on the REA that much easier. And we've talked a little bit about direct and indirect labor. Are there any other types of costs that you can recover in such an REA? Profit. You are allowed to recover profit. And so that is something, typically it would be the profit rate that you are going to earn on the rest of the contract. But you typically would not expect to see direct materials because during a stop work, you probably wouldn't be placing any orders. You shouldn't be. So what about pre-contract award costs? So pre-contract award costs, um, that's something you don't have to wait until you've got a stop work order. That can be its own REA as you are working on the contract. But those are actually explicitly allowable for FAR 31205-32. So pre-contract cost is any cost that you incurred before being awarded the contract that would have been allowable if you had incurred it after you were awarded the contract. So it's a cost that if you hadn't been awarded the contract, you would have eaten. Maybe you spent a bunch of money to buy some new material, so that way if you were awarded the contract on day one, you could just start work at 100%. If you hadn't been awarded the contract, you wouldn't have any recourse. You would just have a bunch of material. But since you were awarded the contract, you get to claim those costs. So you just talked about some different outcomes or, or contingencies. We all hope this isn't the case when, the, when we're the awardee, but what happens if the protest is sustained, the agency takes corrective action, and for whatever reason, you don't end up keeping the ultimate award? What happens to your REA then? So if you don't end up keeping the award, typically your award has gotten terminated, or your contract has been. So in that case, you would prepare a termination settlement proposal, and as part of that, you would include your REA. So you can still include your REA, and at that point, 
you would say any costs that you've incurred for this contract, and that would include pre-contract costs, it would include any performance costs, as well as any costs included in a stop work order. And uh, I believe the ASBCA actually recently ruled for the allowability of pre-contract costs in a termination that resulted from a bid protest. I will say that is a case I actually worked on. We are very pleased with that. And so there's certainly a precedent for those costs. Yeah, and Julia, I've, so I've taken a look at that case, and wasn't one of the issues there that the awardee supposedly had an OCI or, or did something else that it might have been, you know, arguably their fault that they didn't get the award, or at least the government could have alleged that? Wouldn't that impact whether or not they were entitled to recover under an REA? So the ASBCA actually rejected the government's claim on that matter. So yeah, the government had argued that the protest was ultimately the awardee's fault, and as a result, they shouldn't have to pay the REA. But the ASBCA rejected that argument. So whether the protest is sustained or not, you still have a basis for an REA, you still have a basis to recover those costs, and certainly something you should consider. Absolutely. Thanks, Julia, for joining and talking about a request for equitable adjustment with us, and thanks for listening. The All Things Protest podcast is brought to you by Kroll & Mooring LLP. You can find more information at kroll.com slash allthingsprotest.